Dirty Hooers. Cross-Atlantic nitpicking about Doctor Who. From four grown adults who should probably know better. From four grown adults who should probably be working. We're not afraid to say it like it is. All the word bollocks. www.dirtyhooers.com <laughs> So what are we up to here, guys? I have no fucking why are we here, Fuchsia? We're here to do some introductions for the interviews that me and the prof recorded when we were at Dimensions and Thoughtable. Is there anybody good, or can we all go home? Yeah, of course there's some good people there. We have Jake McGann, Fucking son who? of Paul. Hang son on, so Paul this McGann. is Paul McGann's kid. So Paul McGann was busy, so you said to like his kid, hey, have you got like two minutes, do you want to do an interview? Because, like, your last name is cool, so can I interview you? <laughs> the oh, reason to talk to him was oh, he's oh. actually playing the Doctor's great-grandson in the Big Finish audios. Oh, what? cool. Oh, <laughs> Susan's kid? Yes, Susan's kid. Oh, my God, how fun. Yeah, and it's actually quite a good story. It's called An Earthly Child. Oh, see what ah. they did there. That's quite nice, actually, keeping it in the family. I think that's pretty cool. Go on, then, Fuchsia. Entertain us with your interview and make it good. Hello, Jake McGann. Hello. Lovely to speak to you. So, you were saying you wanted to tell us lots of embarrassing stories about your dad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, ask the right questions, get the right answers. <laughs> <laughs> what was it actually like? Because your dad was in a very odd position. He came in, he played the Doctor once, as far as many people are concerned, and then there's this huge audio mythology built around him, which is how an awful lot of people know him and have come to love his interpretation of the Doctor. I mean, how much of an influence has that had on you growing up? Has it been a huge part of your life yeah it's been a very big part of my life it's paid for a lot of my life because you know he keeps getting these conventions and more audios and gets to go across the world and do these things and a lot of it's cash in hand which is great especially for a working actor that's brilliant Mm -hmm. um so a lot of it has paid for my childhood so i do have that sort of connection with it it's sort of in two minds i can't imagine my life without it because financially it would be different and just from things i've experienced it's growing up i was five years old when he did the film you know and i'm I'm 20 now so it's been in my life ever since if i'm right the film was a pilot for a yes, series. It was, yes. Yeah. If the series had gone on, I'd probably be American. I'd, yes. be, more <laughs> yeah. I'd be more American than I am mm. British, which is weird to think. So yeah, it's a big turn in my life, in my childhood, which could have been bigger mm. um, had it gone further. But obviously, it's been a platform for me to begin my career, which has been very, very good, very useful. Yeah. And did your dad actually take you around to conventions and things when you were little? Because I know Sophie Aldred takes her boys around with her. Yes, I went to a couple. I went to one in New York years ago, and I don't remember it really. And then I did one last year in Chicago, mm-hmm. which I was involved in. But since I've become involved in it, it's much easier to get on board. It's much nicer to be at these things and get involved. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a really nice experience. So you were saying before in the talk that your first appearance with Big Finish was actually your work experience. I mean, that's a fairly cracking piece of work yes. experience to get, isn't it's, it? <laughs> it's a funny story. I was going to work at the IMAX mm-hmm. when I was that age. 16 I must have been. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be an actor at that time. And I sort of thought, well, how can I just get this done? It was like an essay. Can I blag this? Can I just get it out of the way? I'm just going to get this homework finished. I know, I'll just work at the IMAX, mess around for a few hours, and then they'll send me home. And I was going to do that. And then my dad said, why don't you work at Big Finish? Why don't you come along? I'll get you involved. And I thought he was joking. And I thought, <laughs> like, well, yeah, it's a nice idea. I'll come along and do a little extra part. I, I had quite a big role. It was good. Ganymede. It was brilliant. I got to work with Ian McNeese. Mm-hmm which was, you know, for someone that hasn't even begun to try and become an actor, that's mm-hmm. quite, here's Ian McNeese, yeah. off you go. It's like, OK. <laughs> yeah, I've said in the talk as well, I, I got paid, which I wasn't actually allowed to do, <laughs> which is a nice bonus. Yeah, that's good. definitely. Yeah, I had to keep that quiet. <laughs> Getting £500 for your work experience, that's not really allowed. <laughs> 
that's going to be slave labour. You're now appearing as the Doctor's great-grandson. How are you enjoying that? Is that when you first did your one for your work experience, did you ever envisage that you would come back and actually get more involved? No, I thought it was a one-off. I did try to get as involved as I could during that time. I think that year I did some extra parts. I did voices, you know, people dying and people getting stabbed and <laughs> children screaming and all those things um, that's happened in the Doctor universe. I did some of that and I thought, well, that'll be it. That, that's my role done. And then the next year they asked me back. And mm-hmm. then the year after that they asked me back again. And it kept going. You know, getting the part of you know, Alex is quite overwhelming. Mm. Because I don't follow the Doctor universe, I can't really begin to imagine how important that character might be to some people. Mm-hmm. Because it stretches right back to the very yes. beginning of it, beginning of the mythology. Like It's difficult to comprehend what's actually behind that. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's a tricky role because it is designed for a child. They couldn't get someone who's been involved in Doctor Who for ages and would know these things yes. to come and be the professional and be like, oh yes, I can play this part because I know all about it, I know what he'd say and what he'd do and how he'd act. They can't because he's a child. I was privileged to be offered the part. It's, yeah. it's brilliant. Right? So have you actually gone back and watched An Earthly Child at all? It's an odd thing. I kind of share it with my dad. We don't really know anything about it. Mm-hmm. I think I've just inherited it from him and he does it for a specific reason. I don't. I just did it. I mean, I love the stories I, You know, because I've sat in the recording booth and listened to Sheridan and my dad working mm-hmm. it's, it's beautiful just because they're both such terrific actors just hearing them not even, even in the final edit mm-hmm. just hearing them speak the stories and you realise that the script writing is top notch it's really good Nick Briggs was saying earlier about you know Lucy Miller's closing stories and they're brilliant they're really well written he's not just selling it you know. it's really good and that's without editing that's completely mm-hmm. just there it's gripping stuff I think my dad sort of he feigns ignorance sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I think he knows more about Doctor Who than he lets on mm-hmm I, I don't know what it is. I notice that sometimes people ask him questions about it and he pretends not to know the answer just to avoid a long-winded conversation where he has to go into the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Then he'll just say, here you go, hold my sonic screwdriver and that'll keep me busy sort of thing. Yeah, well, I don't really know anything about it. I'm hoping to learn more. I'm hoping to get involved more because it's a brilliant thing to have on a CV. Yes, oh, very much so. And obviously this sort of thing, coming to conventions, is great work. Yeah, if you can survive conventions, you can pretty much deal with anything, yes. Yeah, well, that's... The, the hardest thing you'll ever <laughs> deal with is the public. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I suppose I'm doing quite well for myself. And I sort of think maybe I'm too relaxed or maybe I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm being too professional. Maybe I'm just I'm getting ahead of my game. I need to slow down and be more nervous. <laughs> Throw a couple of chairs out the windows, <laughs> yeah. you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> if you could meet any historical figure, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Any historical figure? Mm-hmm. That's very, very difficult. You probably should have told me this earlier. <laughs> Um, off the top of my head. You see, it's often interesting to see what people's gut reactions are, because some people just go, <laughs> boof, and then the other ones are like, oh, blimey, where do I start? Yeah, listen, there's quite a few. Historical figure, maybe Gandhi? Richard the Lionheart, that'd be a good one. Yeah, to find out what's true and what isn't, basically, yeah, would be yeah. quite nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> if you could be any biscuit or cake, what biscuit or cake would you be? Hobnob. Just don't leave them lying around if Nick Briggs is around, because he's just going to scoff an entire packet if anybody leaves them unattended. (laughs) I think most people would say Hobnob. What's your favourite tipple? Doesn't have to be alcoholic. Doesn't have to be alcoholic. Doesn't have to be alcoholic. But it can be alcoholic. It can be alcoholic, yes. (laughs) I'd say rum and coke, maybe. Rum and coke. Hmm, good choice. I used to drink that when I was at university. A nice rum and coke, not a a bad rum and coke. (laughs) And there are some very bad ones out there. So, we have to ask you one question about your dad being embarrassing, because all dads are supposed to be terrible dancers. Has your dad ever embarrassed you at a disco or anything by pulling his moves? Funnily enough, 
he's actually embarrassed me more by not dancing. He'll sometimes get this burst of shyness where he'll just go completely, oh, I can't deal with this social thing. You know, we'll be at a, a party or we'll be out. He Sometimes he comes to clubs with us because mm-hmm. my brother's a, a DJ. Oh, right, And yeah. uh, he sometimes comes and watches gigs and, you know, be in a room full of people dancing and he won't be dancing. And sometimes that's the embarrassing thing where it's like, <laughs> I wish he'd just let go and be embarrassing because it's quite embarrassing that you're not trying to be, you know... <laughs> If you were being embarrassing, you'd be less embarrassed than you are by not trying to be... You know, oh, that's because I'm being... Yeah, it's Catch-22. That kid's smart. like him. He's a really nice lad. And it was really odd because he seemed surprised that we actually wanted to talk to him about him and not his dad. Yeah, I'm surprised as well. <laughs> no, that was I cool. Stuff. That was cool. And it, to be honest, it's nice being part of Dirty Hoes that we get different perspectives on things, I think. I think it's nice that we do talk to people who you wouldn't normally talk to because there's no chance in fucking hell that no, celebrity I, will talk to us. <laughs> I'm just excited about the fact that someone involved in Doctor Who is actually has enough of a life to have kids. So that means there's hope for, you know, some fans out there to get laid since Paul McCann's got a kid. So obviously. McCann's doing some of the coolest things yeah. in like <laughs> movie history. Not only has he been Doctor Who, I mean, you know, with Nell and I and all sorts of fucking stuff. He's actually mm. done some pretty cool stuff. And the rest of his family as well, you know, he's got a lot to live up to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's nice that Jay is part of this dynasty now. And you know what he said about Doctor Who's been a big part of his life? It's a big part of all our lives. You can tell a little guy was... No, you can really tell I haven't listened to the interview yet. But... <laughs> <laughs> But fuck it, moving on. So, you all know how much Ulon loves it when we interview Daleks, don't oh, you? Oh, for fuck's sake. Our friend Dalek Bruce was actually at Dimension, so we just thought, you know, it was a special treat for Ulon. We'd actually <laughs> go and interview Dalek Bruce. And Dalek Bruce is a big fan of our podcast. Dalek Bruce actually wrote on our comments the other day, and hi, Dalek Bruce, very nice of you, mate, thank you. And Ooh. I've heard a couple of sound bites of Dalek Bruce and stuff, and he does at least sound competent amongst disabled callants. So, are you interviewing me? We are going to interview you, yes. Okay, what would you like me to say? So, if there's anyone in history that you would like to meet, who would it be and why? Uh, Albert Einstein, and explain to him that E equals MC squared is incorrect. So what is it then? It is E squared equals M squared times C cubed times P squared times C squared. You do not believe me, check it out on 60 symbols, that is the correct, because you have to include motion as part of mass, mass on its own, E equals MC squared, defines that mass is not moving, but you have to include inertia in the equation. That's physics stuff, I'm a pixie, I don't do physics stuff. Ah, I like physics. Never mind, someone's got to. So, Einstein was wrong. Any more questions? Yes. If you could be a biscuit, what sort of biscuit would you be? And you can't say Jammy Dodger, because Dalek Azrael's already said that. Bourbon. Good choice. I like chocolate. So if you want to get on your good side, we have to feed you chocolate. Yes, if you can get it through my grill. <laughs> Couldn't we just use your grill as a grater and actually just rub it up and down the outside and get little bits going through to Some you? Some people have tried that with cheese, but it starts to get a bit smelly. So what have you been working on lately then, Dalek Bruce? I have been working on a K-Led. Oh. I found one in the roadway. I accidentally ran over it, so I picked it up and took it home. I am now nursing it to health. Don't you going to release it back into the wild when it's better? I may do, but it is a still sick, poorly K-Led. 
Are you not going to build it a little carriage to trundle round in? I may do that. What? You want me to say something else? Oh, yes. So, do you find this interview interesting? Or is interviewing a Dalek pointless? Oh, I don't find, think find interviewing a Dalek's pointless. That's one of our other podcasters. Ulan isn't very fond of Daleks. Who is not here today? He's not, no. I wish to exterminate him. <laughs> So did quite a few other people, actually. <laughs> oh, nice to see you, to Hi. see you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice one, Bruce. Expand no. some of your Dalek fucking interviews. And he does like chocolate. <laughs> you like anyone who likes chocolate. You just like chocolate. You like chocolate and you like shoes. And you like chocolate and the shoes and chocolate. I don't like shoes. Shoes don't like me. I like hats. Oh, sorry, I meant Brad Pitt. Oh, she don't is they? good with hats. I don't like Brad Pitt. You don't like fucking anything I say. I like Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Moving on. He's all right. The guy is a fan of the podcast, so we got to be reasonably decent here. But no, we don't. We don't have to be decent at all. But <laughs> I like Dalek <laughs> Bruce. Shut up. Thanks, mate. And a very good friend of mine works for the Leicester Space Center, and they have large gatherings of Daleks there. And I thoroughly intend to attend the next one. Go meet some Daleks, as my lady wife is pretty much <laughs> there on buying herself a Dalek, a full-size Dalek. Pretty. <gasps> <laughs> oh my god I thought to point out that she won't let me have a full size TARDIS outside the house Ulan I think you could finagle that into a deal for I have no idea what that means so we also managed to chat to Neff Fountain who wrote Kingmaker and Omega for Big Finish I've heard oh. Omega I think it was pretty good actually if I recall hang on let me use Google educate. born Stephen John Fountain is an English writer best known for his comedy work with partner John Jim no never mind it's in Lincolnshire Blah, blah, blah. Hang on, he is in a relationship with actress Nicola Bryant, former Doctor Ooh. Who assistant Perry Brown. Oh, wait a minute, Lucky that's fuck. Now here. I'm interested. <laughs> no kid, she's hot. I see they brought out the action figure. They brought out a Perry and Sill action figure, seven inches. We're still bringing out an action figure, Joe. Go on, Joe. Talk to Alpha Centauri. Talk to Alpha Centauri. Great. Well, let's just listen to the interview before he says anything else really horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> With us at the moment, we have Nev Fountain, writer of Kingmaker for Big Finish Audio Productions, and now, interestingly, some murder mystery novels based around various aspects of fandom, really, I suppose. So, first question, why murder mysteries? I love murder mysteries. I always have. I'm a fan of Agatha Christie, uh, the traditional type, and the modern ones as well. I'm influenced by Jeffrey Deaver who's a, a great thriller writer and Mervyn Stone is partly inspired by Simon Brett who did the actor detective series uh, in the uh, 70s and 80s. So yes, I think murder mysteries are great. They give you a structure and an urgency and you can kind of hang lots of things on them and make it more interesting. So people are interested to find out who did it but along the way you can do jokes and you can do characterizations. So in a sense, I like writing murder mysteries. Kingmaker and Omega were essentially murder mysteries mysteries buried underneath lots of jokes and things. So yeah, I, I love that form. We tend to ask quite frivolous questions on this podcast. We're getting a bit of a reputation for it. Oh, go on, we'll be not, frivolous. Oh, well, we'll ask Frivol you what, away. what Rob now refers to as the South Bank show question. If you could be a biscuit or cake, what sort of biscuit or cake would you be? Oh, well, the first thing that came into my head was a fig roll, because I'm into figs at the moment. I find them quite sexual. But if they're in a roll, they don't look very sexual, but they still taste nice. 
the fig itself is sort of round and purple, sort of like a man's testicles. So I'm not saying I'm gay, but I just like figs. Let's just leave it at that. That's probably best, yes. I'm just saying I like figs, all right? <laughs> Though I like all kinds of biscuits. I like chocolatey ones. My son, Toby, is very into the milk biscuits. It's the plainer the better. And I don't know where he gets it from. It's just freakish. <laughs> just freakish he doesn't like anything you know with cream in it or chocolate on it or sprinkles around it he just likes the milk biscuits i'm sure he'll grow up <laughs> and like sweet stuff like adults do <laughs> having done kingmaker which is quite a historical one if you could meet any figure from history who and why well i'd probably like to meet rob shearman because I saw him yesterday, so that counts as a historical figure in it my does, book. Yes. Oh, yeah. He's from the past, the recent past, mind you, but I'd quite like to meet him again and talk about his place in history. A real historical figure, I'd quite like to meet Laurel and Hardy, because I, I like them so much as comedians, and they seem to come across as such engaging characters, and I'd quite like to have a chat with Stan Laurel. Mm. But Rob Shearman, mainly. <laughs> In terms of the, the work that you've done, do you actually have a favourite and do you have a dream project that you'd like to work on? In terms of work for Big Finish? or Anything, anything at all. I'm very objective about my work. If I think it's not very good, I tend just to leave it behind and not even think about it. Bad programmes, bad episodes of Dead Ringers, I tend not to. But if there's something that I really like, then I just love it. I love listening to it and just savouring the jokes. The dream project I'm doing is the current one because the novel writing is incredibly a great process. I think I've found my home and I love writing the Mervyn Mystery books and it's a measure of how basically narcissistic I am is I open the book and I read a hundred pages of it, of my own work, because I love it so much and I just love just reading my own work. <laughs> I know it's freakish. I'm not telling what I get up to in bathrooms, but basically I'm a very narcissistic person. I look in mirrors and I read my own work. Yeah, Mervyn Stone is something that I'm very into at the moment. I'd like to write a thriller stage play at some point in the future, but I just have Mervyn Stone in my head at the moment. Mm. It's fab stuff, and I just love the character, and I love thinking of possible future books I can write. Mm. In terms of things that you're working on at the moment, I mean, I know you're doing a little bit of research for the next book, Mm. Are there any other big Finnish audios in the pipeline at all? I'm glad you asked me that. Talking of work that I'm proud of, there is a Companion Chronicles coming out in January for Nicola Bryant, Perry and the Piscon Paradox, and I'm very pleased with that. I think that's the best audio I've written for Big Finish. I think it's better than The Kingmaker and better than Omega. I hope people are going to like it. I think it has real weight to it and real character to it, but it is funny and it's fiendishly complicated and there's some great twists in it, which is what I like. I live for twists. I live for story and plot and narrative and pulling the rug out from readers mm. and murder mysteries are great for that and doing the Doctor Who's because you can so twist things well that's certainly what he did in The Kingmaker wasn't it he had everybody believing spoilers <laughs> just put a, a warp sound or a cloister <laughs> bell chime on it yeah we usually do put cloister bells over the top of cock up I, yes. I, I love the cliffhangers in Doctor Who and the only thing you can do with audio cliffhangers because you can't have a fake bit of peril you can't go oh look it comes a monster oh it's fallen over you, know, you can't have that kind of cliffhanger so you have to twist 
and have a plot cliffhanger in which something important happens. Either a monster's coming back, or a villain's coming back, or something is happening that turns the story on its head. And with Kingmaker and Omega, I did that. And with Perry and the Piscon Paradox, I've done that. It's not so much the cliffhangers. James Goss once wrote in a review of mine, I do proper cliffhangers and none of those die, doctor, die type cliffhangers. So I've done a die, doctor, die cliffhanger for Perry and the Piscon Paradox. But in the meat of the story, there's a, a fantastic thing. It's an adventure from many different perspectives. And it can only be done as a a companion chronicle. I'm very proud of doing things that can only be done. If I do an audio, I make it a proper audio. If I do a comic strip, I do something that can only be a comic strip. And the the companion chronicles are a different form again. They're a very personal narrative from a particular person's point of view. So I've sort of done it from two people's point of view, which are the same person. So, uh, lots of fun! (laughs) Looking forward to it coming out. It's been in the works for a long time. We recorded it last year. (laughs) So, looking forward to it coming out. Do you have a favourite tipple? Tea. My partner, Nicholas, is scandalised by my lack of tippleness. <laughs> uh, I'm a tipple-free person. I'm a woman, basically. Uh, I... You are actually Katie Manning. That was Katie Manning's answer. Yeah. I drink cherry brandy and Baileys and, and sugary drinks. And, you know, I sit there with my short skirt and giggle like a girl. <laughs> if it's not got a cherry or an umbrella in it, I don't want to know, really. You know, <laughs> put things in my drink. <laughs> but, but they have to be plastic or something with a cocktail stick on. You know, I don't have that tip. I tried to kid myself I used to have tipples. I used to drink Ruddles County because that's where I came from, but I'm just basically not a beer drinker. I'm barely a lager drinker. I quite like wine, and I'll drink that, but I'll never finish a bottle or a half bottle or anything like that. So, yeah, <laughs> not a tippler. That's <laughs> right about figs. I don't think I'll ever be able to eat one again. That's what Christmas is all about, though, isn't it? Eating testicles. Well, maybe they might be <laughs> more appealing now. I don't know. <laughs> seems alright. Another good interview. Thanks, Fluff. Oh, he was lovely. And we he accidentally must be really helped him with... Nice. He's doing Nicola Bryant. He must be really nice. <laughs> yeah. He had to be nice. He had to be fucking excessive. You know, I, this is going to be a little bit mean even for me, but I was not a big fan of the Kingmaker, but there are obviously certain parts of him that are well-skilled, so there you go. Mm. Oh! Oh, man. Like a baby's arm um, holding an orange. No! Please. <laughs> what about Paul Cornell? Oh, Paul Cornell's well, lovely. He's probably quite well hung as well. I, you know, you, I think it's... Paul? We didn't Shut speak up. to Paul, but we did speak to Paul at Thought Bubble in Leeds the week after we'd been to Dimensions. And he, again, is another really lovely, really very generous guy who, even though he doesn't do Doctor Who interviews anymore, did actually agree to talk to us. Why did he agree to talk to you? That's really nice of him. <laughs> It is. It's very nice of him. And why would you not do Doctor Who interviews? It's your bread and butter, isn't it? Well, I think it's just because it's such a long time ago now for him, and he's now working for DC Comics. Of course, And, yeah. and mm-hmm. he's writing Lex Luthor. Which is thinking. one of the... If you're going to write DC... I'm sorry, I'm a big Marvel fan, but if you're going to write DC, you want to get Luthor. You're a big yeah. DC fan, aren't you, son? Oh, I love DC. I uh, yeah. GL. It's all about the Green Lantern, I'm telling you. What do you think to the new <laughs> film? Have you seen the trailer for the new film? Oh. It does actually look... I'm not a massive there's, Green Lantern fan, but it looks fucking great, the bit where he punches them. She's like a manifest. There's, bang! There's still, Classic! I'm still trying to get the stains off my second monitor from that trailer, so... <laughs> oh! Yeah. Oh no. What is this like? There's no saving this podcast. Hello, we're here at Thought Bubble with Paul Cornell, author of The Superb Human Nature, and we're definitely not going to be talking about Doctor Who today. So, Mr. Cornell, what are you working on at the moment? I'm an exclusive writer for DC Comics, which means I can't write comics for anybody else. I'm also writing comics for someone else. That is to say, I'm writing for Boom Studios, doing their working with Stan Lee line. For DC, I'm really enjoying writing Night and Squire, which is a very, very very British humour book, and 
and Action Comics, which is Lex Luthor versus many of the most interesting and exciting villains from the DC universe. That's what I'm doing. Oh, and I've got a novel coming out next year. Oh, excellent. We were going to ask you if you wanted to plug anything. Ah. So is this kind of your dream project, then? Hugely. The novel is where I want to end up and what I want to do. It's a supernatural thriller set in London. It's out next October. We we don't know what it's called yet. We're we're, we're working towards a title. Excellent. How many Twitter followers did you actually lose last year when you started talking about the test matches? (laughs) Every time I start to talk about cricket, I lose four or five Twitter followers. So I've resolved I'm not going I'm going to remain silent throughout the ashes. I'm just going to make little gasps and exclamation marks every now and then. To see if people can guess what it is you're exclaiming. <laughs> well, absolutely. If you could be a cake or biscuit, what sort of cake or biscuit would you be? I think I would be a Garibaldi. I'm tempted to say a muffin. I, I think I would be a Garibaldi because I'm a great fan of the biscuit and I think I share that biscuit's revolutionary, fiery tendencies. <laughs> um, Favourite tipple? I really like a really nice whiskey. Ooh, good mm. choice, yes. Well, scotch. Yes. Normally what we get our guests to do uh, is to say a little soundbite for us. Oh, yes. So it's normally along the lines of, hello, my name is, and you're listening to Dirty Whores, or I am a Dirty Whore, or various, any variation you like on that. We have that, had that. That must have been fun in the yeah. past. Well, well, Nev Fountain is actually the chief of the Dirty Whores, <laughs> and we are but his minions, uh, and Sophie Aldred is a Dirty Whore. So it's entirely up to you if you don't mind. <laughs> okay. Hello, this is Paul Cornell, and you're listening to the Dirty Whoers podcast. It's nice to know that he's moved on from Doctor Who to DC, because I'm a big DC fan, and once again, that puts Ulan on the wrong side of that argument. So I don't mind a bit of DC. I like my Vertigo, or I used to like okay. Vertigo when it was good. Back in the days when John Constantine hated Thatcher, it was great. Loved my DC mm. back then. But yeah, I'm a big Marvel geek. I loved Cornell's work for Doctor Who. Loved it, loved it. So I might have to go get some of his DC stuff. It's getting very good reviews, the stuff he's doing on Action Comics. And we've been getting Knight and Squire, which is sort of like the all the English versions of the American DC heroes. And that's very funny. Daft, but incredibly funny and well worth a look at. Who are we going to have next? Ooh, um, Rob Sherman. You've been listening to... The Dirty Hooers Doctor Who podcast. Follow us on iTunes or at DirtyHooers.com. Find us on Twitter at Dirty Hooers. See you next time. I don't think our interviews are that long, but what we're doing is a kind of 12 days of Christmas. Only, hey, we could do that, couldn't we? Eleven Time Lords are leaping. And a big blue Macintosh box. Yeah. Good. And you could get sent in the background going, I'm not sure that's a Macintosh. Mm. Fucker. <laughs>